0: well let's take our bibles together and look to first peter chapter 4 if you're not familiar with that book uh, it's at the very end near revelation just before that you'll come across one of those little letters and peter has a couple of letters written there that are recorded for us in the new testament first peter chapter 1 beginning in verse uh, 10 if you will if you're a guest we are grateful that you are here and honoring the lord jesus christ with your presence on this sunday Uh, we recognize every sunday is the day of the resurrection the day that reminds us of our new life that is given to us in christ and so you have honored him by your attendance in this place where we worship him and speak from his word so as we're finishing up this last of the series of being christian today we want to talk about ministering as a christian and here's a great passage for us to focus on 1 Peter chapter 4, begin with me in verse 10. The scripture says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let me just pause. I want to read a couple more verses to you. But, uh, every morning, just about Kay and I get together. We sit at the kitchen table, we open God's word and we each have a journal bible that we read out of and we hold the pencil in our hand with an expectation that god is going to speak to us that morning Uh, we don't do that on sunday mornings we come back in the evening because sunday mornings are pretty busy and very very early for us so uh, we'd rather not rush through that and spend some time doing that later but as we're doing so we're just highlighting things that stand out to us because god's word is a living word it's a powerful effective sharp word and it will minister to us the bible says we ought to read it as if we have a mirror in our hand with the expectation that it's going to reveal to us uh, what adjustments need to be made and we're making adjustments to it so we read it with a pencil in our hand and just asking the lord to give us guidance So i want to do that with this passage we won't slow down too much as we're doing this but just to recognize some significant words that are in the text so uh, you might do the same uh, in your handout or in your bible First of all that stands out to me is that every person is given grace that God is giving his varied grace. And so there's different ways in which God's grace is being given to us, but in this case, each person has received a gift and God's varied grace is expressed in that gift. And that gift is not for us, it's not about building us up. The gift is actually to serve other people now let me show you where this is going when he says that this uh this gift of grace god's metaphor grace is given to us he is saying that it is for purpose and ultimately it comes down to this whenever i read in the bible in order that or the term uh the phrase so that that tells me that there is something this text is moving to and that's a big deal in the text so this passage the in order that is about the glory and the dominion of god the father through jesus christ so these varied gifts of grace that god is extending to every person in this room is for a purpose and that is in order that god would be glorified through jesus christ you see where we're going in this so let's go back and and read the section as each has received a gift Use it to serve one another as God's good stewards. If we were going to use a word that would be common for us, it would be managers. As God's good managers of of, um, of His varied grace. Now, pick up in verse eleven. He's going to share how this is exercised. He's putting the gifts in two categories. If you're looking for the listing of gifts you'll find them in paul's letter to the corinthians and to his letter to the romans Uh, those two sections of scripture have a list of specific gifts but in this case peter is going to put them just in two categories and here are the categories of the gifts that god has given as an expression of his grace whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of god And whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God that the God supplies. So now we have two categories of God's grace that is given as gifts to each of us in ways that we serve other people, and they go into two categories. Not that you're gonna be in one and not in the other, uh, but they're in two categories. One is people speak the oracles of God and people serve with the strength that God supplies so if you're wondering about God's grace to the church it's given in gifts and the gifts will come into two categories a speaking category and a serving category and both empowered by God himself in order that everything in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever so this whole thing is brought about by god it is in his strength and it is his word his oracles in which we speak so obviously god is going to be glorified in the midst of that and so peter just is writing this amazing uh, passage to us it's power packed got a lot of phrases and words in there that are instrumental for us to be uh, useful in god's kingdom and then he just busts out in a selection of praise what we would call in church a doxology and he ends it with this great expression to him bring be glory to him belongs all glory and dominion forever and ever amen have you ever had those moments uh, where you just kind of burst out in praise to god Uh, maybe it's one of our beautiful sunsets that we have in this area And it's like the Lord has just painted up the sky. And you can't help but say, to God be glory in that. Now, you might not use those same words. I use the old Hebrew expression, because, you know, I studied Hebrew in school. And the old Hebrew expression that I use is, wow. (laughs) Anybody ever speak Hebrew like that? Sure. Wow. That is a great way of proclaiming a doxology to God. We're not giving wow to somebody else. We're giving God Glory, for he's the creator of all things. And he is the one who is in dominion over all things. He owns all things. By the way, all things were created by him, they're for him, they're going to end up to him. And so he is in dominion over all things. You say, Well, wait, Randy, I thought that in the world today, the world is ruled by the prince of darkness. Oh, it is today. But don't you think that it's not in the dominion of God? I can tell you at the end of the age, and it's coming, the end of the age when all this stuff that the enemy brings against the people of God and the way of God and the word of God and ministry of God, all of that will be put down and it will be in the dominion of God. And he will take that old scoundrel, the devil, and he will cast him into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And in the end, it will pro- be proven that God is in dominion over all things. All things and so we ought to burst forth in that periodically when you sense the pleasure and the goodness and the beauty and the glory of God just bust out in your own doxology put it in your own words and that's certainly what Peter is doing here but now let me just take this and I'll uh, break it down into about five little points that I think are most easily seen in the passage i'll tell you it could have done this in multiple in multiple ways Two, most importantly it could have done it in the order that peter gave it to us in the text which is normally the way i follow in an outline just looking through the text but as i was studying this past week and reading it just being ministered to by it i I just recognized that i wanted to go from the the bottom of it and move to the top of it and now that could be done in any way i don't want to think you to think that oh randy's got something going on here listen this morning while i'm eating my granola i'm thinking maybe i'll just put that back in the right order it should be and even while i was in my office looking at it one more time lord how confusing would it be if i just reversed the order they'd have it different in their handout so it could go any new rate in any way but let me just start from the back and i want to move forward and let's just talk about this that the ultimate thing is that peter wants us to live our life in expression of the glory and the dominion belongs to God but before we talk about the gifts the grace the way it's expressed before we talk about us being good managers of that we we just need to highlight the bottom line is what God is doing is he is bringing glory to himself and he is revealing that he is in dominion over all things there is nothing that is not under his sovereign care God is in the midst of it all so, we're going to talk about ministering and how we minister to the body of Christ, both globally and locally. But the purpose of our ministry is the glory of God. Sometimes the church gets a little bit sideways when we start talking about serving. And you know, you hear these statistics that really aren't that easily provable that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I don't believe that that holds true at Meadowbrook. Uh, but if that were the case and we were trying to urge people to do more the more would be the obligation or the responsibility or the duty of or we would be better if it would be all about our uh, workings peter wants us to recognize this is not about us this is not about meadowbrook this is not about me this is about god and his glory So if you're going to be motivated today to do ministry to a heightened way so that people know the grace of God such that they give glory to him through Christ Jesus, it won't be because I'm pitching it to you. It won't be because you feel responsible to do it. It will be because you walk out of this place thinking, God, I want to live in a way that you are glorified all the more and that Jesus Christ is magnified. That's the whole purpose of it. If we miss that, we miss the whole thing. It sort of unravels. So that's re- the reason why I started at the back of the text today and moved to the top of the text because I wanted us to come to this conclusion. The big, big deal is we need to be living in a way that God is glorified and that people around us understand the dominion that God has. And, of course, uh, this is throughout the Scripture. Look at the second thing that I've written for you in your handout. Our purpose is to glorify God through jesus christ so obviously there's a triune god a father son and holy spirit three in one but in this case we are glorifying god through jesus christ and the reason why we glorify God the Father through Jesus Christ is because Jesus Christ is our redeemer. He is our reconciler. He has made it so that we have grace. He has made it so that we can actually do things in a way that bring glory to God. So the difference between us and say the Rotary Club or the Lions Club or the Civitans or 4-H or whatever it is that you might be part of that does good community service the difference between us and them is that we do ours in the power of the redemption of Jesus Christ see before we were doing good things anybody else a member of 4-H I was anybody else part of a civic organization yeah I have been The difference is when you're not in Christ, when you're not redeemed in Christ, you can do all those good things. And the Bible says they are like filthy rags before a holy God. The altogether righteous God says "Uh, that that is filth. It was the best I could offer to you, God. Filthy, just didn't measure up but I'm telling you through Jesus Christ he has redeemed us he has taken away our sin and he has impregnated in our life his righteousness and his nature and now we exercise out of that and that is a beautiful thing that is unto God's glory and so the purpose is to give glory to God through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is our redeemer he is our reconciler he is our savior and so we live in order to give glory to him and certainly live in a way that people understand that we live in the dominion of God hey when I became a Christian one who was saved by the faith that God had entrusted to me as a measure of his grace when that happened my friends it changed everything in my life and it continues to change in my life god continues to work his redemption in my life and as he does so i pray that people would know that i am in the dominion of god he transferred me out of a kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption number three god provides the various grace to uh, through christians these are gifts Th- through the, the body of christ he provides this now grace in this context is every means needed for the body of christ the church and individuals everything that you and i need god gives to us by grace he's a giving good father who gives us good things all good things come from above right from the father of light so as he's giving us those things that is grace now catch this He gives to Meadowbrook grace, and that gift of grace outside of our salvation, this grace application is given to individuals as gifts, and those gifts are then used to serve the body of Christ at Meadowbrook and beyond into the global church. So God's grace is extended to His church. It's just not wholesale extended it's given to individuals who are told to manage that well in another place he says be a good manager of the manifold grace of God he's saying manage that grace well because it's God's measure by which the church knows the grace of God and all the needs of the people inside the church are met through God's grace by individuals so when someone is sharing with you some event in their life be it good bad somewhere in between you are in that moment God's expression of grace to that individual and how you speak or how you serve is God's application of grace when you find someone who is in sin and you approach them with grace to speak truth into them and call them out of that sin because you know the blessings of God are not in a life of sin. The blessings of life are in the life of righteousness as the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us. And you go to that individual and you speak, you speak God's words to them or you serve them in a way with the strength of God, you are applying God's grace in that individual's life. And when you stop by the hospital or you stop by the nursing home or you stop By the funeral home, or you stop by someone's home and they're in the midst of anguish, and you minister to them, you do so by applying God's grace to them. This is not something abstract. You are God's grace. You are God's gifts of grace. He gives it in various forms, He gives it to individuals, and He says to the individuals, serve that to one another. Are you with me on that? See, there's a saving grace and there's a sustaining grace. This is the sustaining grace of God. He gives it to individuals and we're instructed to serve that to other people. That brings me to number four. Gifts are the means for Christians in the local church to exercise God's grace to others. So God gives us gifts and the gifts are meant to be used for the service of other people. God's gifts are not to build you up, God's gifts are to build other people up. Now now you will be blessed as you serve God's varied grace in the expression of gifts that God gives you, but the gifts are meant for other people. So gifts are often identified in various ways, as I mentioned to you. They're also uh, somewhat, abstract people will say well I don't know what my gift is and in fact we were in a discipleship group the other day and uh, at our home and I asked the people sitting around our dining room table as we were opening God's word together I said what is your gift that God has given to you how is it that you serve God's grace to other people and almost all the people in the room could not identify the gift or gifts that God had given to them it's not meant to be that way You will often find your gift in the midst of your faith service. So I'm just going to serve. And as I serve, a gift elevates in my life that God will use in a way to apply grace to other people. For instance, when I was 16 years old, our student minister came to me and said, Hey, we're having a Sunday that is just going to be led by youth. They're going to be the choir. They're going to be the teachers in Sunday school. They're going to be the superintendent in Sunday school. And they're going to be the preacher. And Randy, we want you to be the preacher. Now, this was before I sensed that this is what God was going to do in my life. So I began to serve. And in the midst of serving, it's when it was elevated, this gift was elevated, and people started to identify, including me, that this is a gift that God has given to me to be used for other people. In fact, they started saying that to me. Hey, Randy, have you ever considered being a pastor or a preacher? You ought to consider that. You have a gift that God has given to you. That's nothing about me. That's God's grace. That's His various grace that has been given to me. It's not about me. And so it's my duty to use that gift for other people to speak the oracles of God. Everybody has one of those at least some of you have more than one and the way you often will know that gift is by your service and what you really see God doing in the midst of your service grace-filled you begin to recognize that as being a gift that God has given to you and certainly will be affirmed by the church it's uh, as as they see you in your service so, you should do whatever in your service to discover what God's grace gift is to you. Do it with all your heart, but do it and see how God reveals Himself. And then you can ask for gifts. There have been times that I've been on my knees seeking the Lord for a certain gift that I thought was necessary for the building up of the body of Jesus Christ and you ought to be asking for those as well the apostle Paul is clear about that ask for gifts especially those that edify the church ask God to give you the gifts necessary and he will certainly do it now there are specific lists in the bible but Peter just as I mentioned lumps them into two categories and that's the words and and service we serve people by words and we can serve them in service now that is not mutually exclusive it's not like you have one or the other they are really intertwined today I am ministering to the church with the words that I'm using which are the oracles of God and that is my service to you and sometimes when you're serving somebody you're washing their feet or you're fixing and fixing a meal that's that's real southern isn't it uh, you are putting together a meal for them and serving it with your own hands or you're cutting a yard for somebody who's sick and you're serving you often do that with words as well some of you with a whole lot more words than others but none the doubt words and service get mixed together so i don't want you to think it's one or the other that you you're either this or you're that no no, no it's often a combination of them but but let's look at these real quick and see what he's saying because he's giving us some qualifiers in this i want you to contemplate the gifts that god gives to meadowbrook and the global church through you individually as you speak the oracles of god some of you are very expressive people and it doesn't seem like a stretch for you that god would use you to serve grace to his church and to others by speaking the oracles of god but let's just mention this for a moment he's not just saying that you would speak but he's saying that you would speak the oracles the words of god and that takes it to a whole nother level it's not that you're just friendly you can talk to anybody don't meet a stranger it's not that is that when you talk to everybody or anybody or don't meet a stranger is that you speak god's word not talking about opinion we're talking about god's word there's a big debate in the country right now that's singled down to alabama it's the debate about abortion and i'm glad that we're in the midst of the conversation now when you're hearing that when you're talking to people about that, and when you're speaking about that, please do not give your opinion. Don't give what you think about it. Speak the oracles of God. What does God say about that subject? Bring back into the conversation the Word of God. Hey, here's what I know, that God views life as sacred. Here's what I know. Psalm 139 says that God every individual in their mother's womb here's what i know before i was born god knew me jeremiah said before you were born i called you here's what i know life is sacred and who are we to question the sacredness of life that god has given to it So just speak the oracles of god now there's a difference in speaking the oracles of god and people walking away from that conversation and saying to god be the glory that man just spoke truth to me and speaking about the subject of abortion in my own opinion and getting somebody mad speak the oracles of god i was sitting down at a table the other day with a friend of mine who's going through a really rough time it's a difficult season and i could tell him things are going to get better but i don't know that or i could tell him this or i could tell him that but i just settled in to hey let me remind you this is what god says about you and just build him up for a moment in the truth of god that's edifying that speaks the oracles of god you know what you and i need to do to be the grace appliers, the stewards, the managers of God's grace that it gets applied in the right spot. You know what we need to do? We need to go with eyes wide open. God, how can I speak your word today? In this conversation, how can I bring your word to the forefront? How can I speak your word? Because the purpose is not that we make people better. The purpose is that God is glorified through Jesus Christ. So how is God going to be glorified if we're speaking our own opinions like we're Dr. Phil or something? God won't be glorified in that way, but he will when we speak his word of truth. So seek the ways that speaks the oracles of God. Elevating that conversation. I was in Life Group last week and Al Garrett was teaching, who will be preaching next week, by the way, while I'm in Israel. He's a fantastic communicator of God's Word, a unique gift that God has poured to Meadowbrook through him. And he was teaching on this, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, and it has sort of marinated in my thoughts throughout the week, and so I couldn't help but put it on the screen today. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Let me just pause because the comma gives us opportunity to seasoned with salt means to speak the truth of God that's what he's saying there uh, when he says be a light he's saying be one who lives out and speaks out the word of God and in this case salt salt is what uh, is infused for the flavor of God now notice what Paul says in this he's using the same verbiage that Peter does he says when we speak truth like that of salt salt then people will know the graciousness of God. and then what Peter said? God's grace is extended as we speak. So let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, let truth be in that, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So whatever the conversation is, let salt, let the word of God come forth, and people will know grace. You say, oh, uh, I don't know about that, Randy seems like when i speak the word of god people get antagonistic oh their response is not what we're dealing with we want to know can we apply god's grace regardless of their response because in the end it's god's truth that's going to prevail if they reject god all the way to their death and into hell then they reject him but the word of god prevails so you're not getting the right feedback that's okay just keep applying the grace with the salt and the truth that you're giving to them and in the end God is determinate of the results and then that that next passage basically says the same thing don't let anything corrupt come out of your mouth but only such as good building up as fit and then the grace of God would be known all right so that's one the the words of God secondly is serving people with the gifts of deeds serving in in ways that only god could provide strength so this takes it to a whole nother level you and i can mow somebody's yard for them uh, and it doesn't take the strength of god to do that Uh, you and i can pass out bulletins handouts on sunday morning and it doesn't take the grace of god the power of god to do that you can be a greeter in the parking lot you can be a life group leader and teach the bible and it doesn't necessarily take the strength that God supplies to do that now you might argue Oh Randy, it's God who gives you breath it's God who gives the impulses to your heart to beat and the neurons to fire I get all that I don't think that's the context here I think what he's saying is elevate your service to a point that God must supply the strength because if i'm just doing it in my own strength there's no glory unto god in that but if i elevate it to a point of service that only god could provide the means by which that is accomplished then people walk away from that gift of grace that i've managed out they walk away giving glory to god through jesus christ and that's the whole point right It's not just about doing something it's not just about serving but it's that you do it in a manner in which God is glorified by people and Jesus Christ is exalted so serve in that way serve in the power of God and people will experience God through you can I just repeat that serve in such a way that people experience God and his grace through you with his power and with his strength and be so fixated on that knowing that only God can provide that means so if you're a parking lot greeter or you're a greeter at the doors or you are passing out uh, literature for Meadowbrook or you're teaching a life group or you're standing on the platform teaching in this lesson serve in such a way that only God could have provided the strength and the words to be used to apply his grace it really changes how we minister and serve aim for the one who is to be glorified christ himself not merely a speaking or doing and then finally god calls us to manage his gifts of grace well in the end the grace is given it's entrusted to every individual in this room and god says be a good steward of that be a good manager of that i was trying to think earlier when this took place i it was back in the 80s i was in my 20s and as i mentioned to you i knew that god specifically wanted me to do what i'm doing right now he wanted me to do it all of my life from 16 on but there was a small window of time that i just thought "Mm, i don't think i want to do that anybody ever said that to god that's not a good conversation to have with god the sovereign one but at any rate I was in this little window of just trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life uh, as if it's me to find that out God is going to give that and he will he will make it known very clearly but I was at a store called Brookstone in the River Chase Galleria I was working there anybody been in that store well they have people like me working there which tells you why they have closed the shop Uh, they are no longer in business not anywhere in the country Uh, it's a defunct deal but at any rate they have people like me working there which you knew they were on that course (laughs) anyway so and they even put me in a couple of years they put me in management positions and so now I'm in my 20s and I'm managing in a store and uh, that was not a very good performing store but we turned some things around and sort of had the attention I'm thinking uh, I am God's gift to Peterborough New Hampshire where Brookstone is housed I am that person and I had things going on in that place I had a district manager his name was Chris Bullard if you're kin to Chris Bullard I am not despairing him in any way he was my district manager and he was a huge man both in stature and in the way I viewed him and one day Chris showed up at the store and now they had these announced visits and they had unannounced visits this one was an unannounced visit and uh, they want to be able to come into the store and find it exactly as they expected to be if they were announcing them coming and i honestly thought the store was ready for him at any given time because i was like the guy who seemed to have it together at least that was my thoughts in my stupidity and immaturity and self-centeredness but anyway bullet comes in and he's looking around he's like "Oh, everything looks great well it Brookstone, we had a little flashlight called a mag light. This was before your cell phones became the flashlight in your house. And we had mag lights. They were the number one seller in the store. We had them from little pin lights from AAA all the way up to D size, multiple D batteries, just huge flashlights. And it would become the whole end cap we'd have them in the other places in the store we'd have them at the register and we'd also have end caps with them so that the most prominent thing was the top seller a maglite well Chris Bullard is walking around and I'm walking with him like his little puppy and we're just going around the store and he says "Uh, hey Randy where are the maglites that's an awkward feeling it's like you being fishing and the conservation officer shows up and you don't have a fishing license and you're like well I'm sure it's here somewhere so I start looking around the store with him and it dawns on me we don't even have a single mag light on the floor the number one seller in all the company I don't know how that happened but at any rate all the mag lights were in the back in the storage area not a single one on display he said how about you and me go to lunch you ever had one of those lunches with your boss (laughs) yeah it'll make you throw up before you eat won't it so i'm sitting in the food court in the river chase galleria with this massive guy who i know is about to say you are no longer employed for Brookstone." about 30 minutes into the conversation i'm thinking i don't think he's going to fire me but things are going to be different and they were i learned from that point forward in fact i've repeated that story i don't know probably every employee that we've ever had has heard that story because what i learned is you can seem to have everything together and miss the most important thing in your life the most important thing in that moment in that store was that I display mag lights the most important thing in your life in my life is to live to the glory of God number one thing you may have a lot of other things going on in your life the inventory may be huge but if your life is not lived to the glory of God, it's like managing Brookstone and not having maglites on the floor. Now, can I just ask you? I'm just going to kind of cut to the heart. If God inventories your life right now, is the glory unto Jesus Christ? Is it unto Him? when you serve and when you speak do people give glory to God through Christ Jesus and if you say no then you probably have had the wrong focus and your focus has been on the duty and the responsibility as a Christian and what Peter is reminding us of in this passage is the focus must be on God's glory that people walk away with a greater understanding of God's glory and His dominion over all things. And the way God does this is He says, now I'm going to give a varied grace in specific ways to you individually. Manage that grace by serving other people either with words and or acts of service, but serve it in a way that your words are the words of God or your service is by the strength of God and as you serve in that way people will walk away from those experiences with a greater understanding of the glory of God and the dominion of God in this life so being Christian is believing being Christian is living and being Christian is ministering to the glory of God oh father thank you for the reminder today and i pray lord i pray that every person in this room who has trusted you as savior who knows your glory through christ would embrace this grace gift or gifts that has been entrusted to them and that they would manage it to your glory to other people i pray lord that there would not be a single person who would discount you and the means in which you are Vesting grace in us. I pray, Lord, that you would elevate a teenager or an adult, someone in their senior years, or someone in the beginning of their life. I pray, Lord, you would elevate the call of Christ to manage the gift of grace well. And some in this room, Lord, I know you've drawn them into this place that they might know you as Redeemer and Rescuer. I pray, Lord, that they would hear your voice and yield their lives to you. Surrender themselves and repent of their ways of sin and the old way of thinking and submit to Jesus. I pray this to the glory of our King and Savior. Amen.